0: To help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. One of the privileges I have is to hear some of your stories. I really mean it when I ask you to reach out to me. You can email me directly, michelle at michellekneesat.com. It's an honor to pray for your needs. I it's an honor to shed a few tears with you as I seek to bear your burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ and and lift you up in prayer. Uh, my heart breaks with yours as you struggle with unkind words spoken over you, unkind acts performed against you, your shame and your brokenness. I hope you're encouraged to know that nothing you have done and nothing that has ever been done to you is just too awful to be cleansed by your Heavenly Father. In fact, that's the message of the song Clean by Natalie Grant. We're going to use that to jump into Scripture today. But first, let's listen. There's nothing too dirty That you can't make worthy You wash me in mercy I listened to a great podcast this week where the host, Justin Paul, um, he interviews Christian music artists, and I listened to one with Natalie Grant, and she referred to this song Clean, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, The interview was pretty cool. Uh, In a small portion of the podcast, she talks about the song Clean, and she said that a friend had spoken to her about an abuse situation in her childhood and that she felt too dirty to be loved by God. And as Natalie Grant mulled that over and over, she just thought to herself, there's nothing too dirty. And that's where the beginning of the lyrics came from. And for that reason, and many more, I love this song, but the idea of washing and becoming clean... Makes me think of a story in the Old Testament, and I cannot wait to share it with you. I love to try to head over to the Old Testament as often as I can, because I think we get intimidated by large portions of it. I mean, especially the sections on the law. And so I think sometimes because it seems so, and even some of the prophets and things like that, it just seems so unapplicable to our lives that we ignored altogether. But there's some really fantastic stories tucked in there. And you're gonna miss out on all of them if you never read the Old Testament. So the idea of washing clean made me think of Naaman and his story is in Second Kings chapter five. But before we go over there I want to introduce the bites for the week. B-I-T-E, Bible interaction tool exercises. And these are exercises that I include every week on the podcast just to give you some practical tools you can use and habits that you can develop to interact with the Bible in new ways, or at the very least, add some variety to how you interact with God's Word. Really kind of had to help you take a bite out of scripture. Okay, so this week I used the bite, the Bible interaction tool exercise. Of listening to scripture. And I use, I use the Bible app, YouVersion. Um, my favorite audio version available in version is the New Living Translation. If, if you listen to a variety of translations, there's different people speaking. So like there, I can't remember which version it is, has a, a cool British accent guy. But this guy, I just, I, I like his voice. And um, so I like, and I like the language. Of the new living translation to listen to because it's really how we talk these days so i listened to second kings chapter 5 in the morning while getting ready for work and then i also listened to it on the way to work in the car i live four miles from work and i could listen to it twice all the way through so this brings me to something that um, happened the other day i was able to ask some ladies the other day in a bible study I was actually honored to be invited as a guest. And just a side note, by the way, it was so cool to see faces. You know, I try to picture your faces, especially if you like me on Facebook or Twitter, then I can see your little faces and your profile. But right now, I'm speaking into a microphone in my craft loft, and Um, it's just so different than interacting with real live people. So I know you're a real live person listening to me right now, but I just wish I could see your face and your reaction. So anyway, I was able to ask these ladies face to face, um, what exactly was keeping them from reading their Bible regularly? And um, I heard several responses. I'll probably tell you all about them in a variety of episodes in the future. But one lady's response was so interesting to me. She said that she felt like she should spend 45 minutes in the morning in God's word and in prayer. Like that is a, in her mind was the right amount of time, or maybe by her in her experience, I didn't she didn't unpack it too too much, but maybe in her experience, that's it would allow her to feel like she had spent a, a quality time in prayer and in Bible study or re- reading. But in that she could only eke out 20 minutes with her current schedule, and since she couldn't do the the 45 she didn't do the 20 either isn't that interesting now I share this with you not in judgment of her at all but as an example of the trickery of the enemy or even just our own human nature and I and I have to admit I maybe I perhaps have been used by the father of lies as, as I have encouraged you to spend more time in God's word I've encouraged you not to have a drive-through relationship with God. So the lie of the enemy is that if you can't invest, quote-unquote, properly, then you should wait until you can. Like, if you can't get it right, then don't just play at it. And so whereas I'm trying to encourage you, um, maybe the enemy uses it to rob you of the 20 minutes that you would spend. So he robs you of the one day that you will get it right. So instead of like, I can't do it every day, so I don't do it at all. I mean, to be honest, this happens to me with food. This is not a, this is a a normal. So like I said, I mean, sometimes I think it's the enemy that can do it. It's also our human nature. But um, it's like, I'll say, well, I blew it today, so I'll really blow it. You know, I'll try harder tomorrow, right? Too many chips at the Mexican restaurant. So I might as well have the loaded cheesy whatever for dinner and throw in dessert after and let's go ahead have a latte too since I really blew it and so I think that we do that sometimes we allow our mind to say well since I can't get it right I'm not going to do it at all or if I can't do it every day then I'm not going to do it one day but what if we said I've got five minutes you know, I'm going to listen to this story while I drive into work this morning. I'm I'm going to I'm going to set my scripture to play as I'm getting ready for work. I'm going to I'm gonna, I've got 5 minutes. And then I'm going to ask God to bring it to my mind as I work throughout the day. And then I'm, I'm going to ponder the characters in the story. I'm going to think about about what was going on there. I'm gonna try to picture it in my mind. And, and then I'm going to meditate on on any truths that might jump out at me. Let me think about that. And now I find I've probably spent more than 20 minutes of heart time, even though I didn't necessarily spend it at a desk with a pen in hand, you know, in my nice cup of coffee and my journal. I mean, that's my ideal. And I'm sure you have your ideal, just like this lady had her ideal. But what if, what if we just take the sum and see if God might multiply it? So the first bite is listening to scripture. In this case, the um, just one chapter from 2 Kings. Okay, so that's that's what I would encourage you to do this week. And the next bite is a companion to the first. So the companion bite, Bible interaction tool exercise, is repetition. Listening to a story on repeat It's actually harder than it sounds because we think in story every day. Our brain says, oh, yeah, I know this story. Like if you've ever read a book that has scripture in it that you're real familiar with, you tend to kind of skip over the scripture. because, like, oh, yeah, I know what that says. And so our brain wants to skip over it and get some new information. But repetition is key to get that story in your mind so that you can meditate. You see, then um, if you've listened to it a few times, what if you're listening to that quick story um, as you get ready, you listen to it again a couple times on the way to work, then it's, it's, if you really focus and listen, now it's familiar enough, you really can meditate on it. And then the final bite that I use this week is to read in a variety of translations, you know. Sometimes using this bite will turn you onto a translation that will word something in a way that makes it easier to understand. I can't tell you the number of people who the big reason why they don't read their Bible is they just don't understand the words. And I'll say, "Well, what version are you using?" and they'll be like, "Well, my King James version." Not my I'll just, you know, slap my hand on my forehead and just say, "Pick some let's 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 find a different version for you to re- uh, use that will be easier to read for you." Not that I don't still listen to the King James version. And I do I grew up reading that so that's where my familiarity is but then I've added in some additional translations that when I read it in that new translation something something jumps out at me and that happened to me this week by the way one word jumped out at me in that new living translation but uh, I'm a, I'm a little ahead of myself let's go ahead and get started in second Kings and then we'll we'll' um, we'll talk about that some more. So the the story is primarily about Naaman. So let's go ahead and get introduced to him. In 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1, it says, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though, But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So as I considered Naaman this week, what do I see? Well, I see a very successful man. He had a great track record at work, and it earned him. I mean, the Bible says great admiration from his boss. You know, later on, you'll see that he had access to great wealth as well. And if you looked at this guy today, you'd say that guy has everything. He's living the dream. You know, you're the you buy his book and and you get his business strategies. You listen to his podcast or you listen to podcasts where folks are interviewing him. You know, you're going to watch him on the morning news. You read articles about him. In all the best publications, you recognize him on the street because he's so close to the king. He's famous, right? All but one thing Naaman had a problem that made him unclean. Naaman had leprosy. Now, leprosy is an infectious skin disease and it causes lesions on the outside of the skin and nerve damage. And so it'll actually kill the nerves so that you don't even know, you can't. Feel pain, um, which is obviously very dangerous. So, despite his great success and despite the admiration from important and influential people, despite his wealth and his might in other areas, Naaman was afflicted. And the interesting thing about Naaman's affliction is that it's visible. And sometimes our affliction is visible and known to the world, but sometimes our affliction is hidden deep inside, it's unseen. And sometimes unnoticed by others. You know, on a black and white spiritual level, we are all afflicted with a sin nature from birth. The only thing that can cleanse us is accepting the salvation offered through the blood of Christ shed for us. Often our sin nature is hidden and unseen because we're just good people, right? You've met people who are just so good and kind and display honorable characteristics. But sometimes our sin nature is obvious and speaks loudly in the manner of our lives. In either way, we're afflicted and we need cleansing. And Naaman's was that kind of affliction. You know, he did not recognize God as the one true God. He just knew he was afflicted. And as I said at the top of the episode, um... I know some of your afflictions. You've told me some. Some of you have told me some of your afflictions. and But God knows all of your afflictions, whether you've told me or anyone. He sees you. And perhaps your ultimate affliction is repenting of your sin and being cleansed through salvation. I pray you do that. But perhaps you're a believer and you still suffer. You know, this is where I am. I, um, I struggle with periods of depression. I do not suffer as significantly as others. Uh, as I speak to you today, I can feel small waves of it crashing upon my soul. I am afflicted. What's crazy is that I'm coming off of an amazing week. Uh, I can totally see myself in Naaman. I have a new boss. I presented him with some marketing materials that he was really excited about. And then I got excited because I pleased him. And I was excited and I praised God for giving me understanding and the experiences to be able to produce exactly what he was looking for. It was great. And then unwanted and undetectable to others. These waves of sorrow just rise and fall in my spirit for no reason. I am afflicted. Now, mine isn't a visible skin disease, but it's an affliction nonetheless. And so I just say all of that to encourage you that um, although sometimes your affliction is visible and known to others, sometimes it's not. And so let's keep reading so we can learn from what Naaman's experiences are. So it says at this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, I could probably create a whole podcast just about this servant girl, but we're focusing on Naaman today. But suffice it to, st- to say that there was a person in Naaman's life that was pointing him to God. And she had influence in the house. Obviously, she was able to share her thoughts with Naaman's wife. She was able to share a solution to the affliction. Now, at this point, Naaman could have completely ignored his wife. Now, I say his wife and not this girl because the girl did not tell Naaman herself. The girl told her mistress. And just because the girl did not have direct contact with Naaman, it did not diminish her compassion on him, and it didn't keep her from doing what she could do. And the wife told Naaman about the prophet, and the idea intrigued Naaman enough to discuss it with his trusted mentor and boss, the king. And here's where we continue to read. So Naaman told the king of what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. (laughs) Now that is a good mentor, right? He didn't let these cultural differences keep Naaman from trying to find a solution to his affliction. You know, they raided Israel. These weren't these were not friends. These were enemies. And but he obviously cared about Naaman. He didn't say, Oh my goodness, they are an enemy. You cannot go over there. You know, but he cared about Naaman. Naaman's wife obviously cared about him. Even the servant girl obviously cared about him. This was a man who was loved, but he was afflicted. And you may you may be fully loved and still be afflicted. But if you're like Naaman, those who love you most want you to be free from your affliction. And God is the one who offers that freedom. God is the one who offers cleansing. Take a moment, however, and observe the steps taken. The king says, go and visit the prophet. But he sends Naaman to the king of Israel instead. You know, this was probably protocol, king to king. But the advice given wasn't to go see the king. It was to go see the prophet. She didn't say Naaman should visit the king. She said he should visit the prophet. And so how often do we get godly counsel and then filter it through our own habits and our own protocols? How often do we read something in scripture and think, well, that's not what I've been doing and skim through it and think, surely that couldn't apply to me. Or, Or take the premise or the idea and go and try to do it our own way. If we keep reading, it says when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So here we see the king freaking out and thinking the king of Aram's trying to pick a fight. Distress of others is caused because they chose, Naaman and the king, to involve people in the process that were never meant to be involved. How often do I involve my friends and others before going to the source? God is my source. God often uses others to help us in our affliction, but sometimes we involve them unnecessarily and it can cause unintended distress and damage. But let's keep reading. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. So now finally Naaman's where he's supposed to be to receive help for his affliction. And finally he gets the answer he's seeking. And so he goes off and rejoices, right? wrong let's keep reading so but Naaman became angry and stalked away I thought he would certainly come out to meet me he said I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me aren't the rivers of Damascus the Abana and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed so Naaman turned away uh, turned and went away in a rage So up to this point, there is nothing in this story to indicate that Naaman is an unreasonable, angry kind of guy. He's obviously loved and cared for by others. He's really good at what he does. He's got great respect from his boss, his wife, and his servants. But when he doesn't hear the answer he expects, he gets mad and walks away. And this is the word that jumped out at me in the New Living Translation that I mentioned before. Expected. He says, I expected him to heal me by doing such and such. You know, I feel slighted and I think your solution is ridiculous. And it brings him to anger and resistance of the plan that God had for him to be healed. You see, God wants Naaman to be cleansed of his affliction. If God didn't care about Naaman, he wouldn't have made a way for him to get to the prophet in the first place. He wouldn't have given the prophet a solution to give to him. But he did. And Naaman is rejecting it. I I do that. I reject getting enough rest and eating right, which adds to my vulnerability to depression. Instead of involving others, I tend to hide what's happening. I I slip into times of avoiding God's word. Yes, I do. I do. The very thing that I need to pull me out of that place, I get mad at the process and think there's a better river to wash in. And I figure there's a better way. But let's keep reading. His officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he simply says, Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Here are more people that love Naaman and are trying to talk to him and get through to him. Do you have more than one sector of people in your life trying to tell you something? Perhaps they're pointing out your affliction. Maybe, maybe it's a hidden sin that they know you can repent of and be cleansed of. Perhaps they see your affliction, and though it's not related to sin necessarily, you can still receive healing from the one true God. So these servants, the text says, officers, these are men who worked for Naaman. They reasoned with him because when he was thrown a curveball, when he was given an answer that was not what he expected, he rejected it. But they reasoned with him and they said, this is really a simple thing to obey. Another thing I want to point out is that Naaman got really defensive when he was not treated the way he thought he should be treated. I've done this. I've responded extremely defensively when I felt like the people in my life were pointing out a sin affliction and I didn't like the way they handled it. And in that moment, I responded poorly. I got angry and I stalked away. And I could give you a litany of reasons why the way they handled it was so unreasonable, so much so that I missed the instruction for a while. Finally, though, just like naming the people who cared um. And came alongside and reasoned with me. And finally, I washed in the Jordan, so to speak, as instructed. But so many times in our lives, we want so much to be right more than we want to be healed. Don't let missed expectations derail you. Be cleansed by the word of God. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 says that Jesus makes the church, that's you and me, believers, Jesus cleanses us and makes us holy by the washing with water through the Word. The Word of God is our Jordan River. We may expect God to cleanse us in different ways, even to the point where we stomp off in anger. But He has called us to His Word, and it cleanses us and makes us holy. Let me be a friend who cares enough about you today to encourage you one more time. Get into the Word of God. Read it. Listen to it, obey it, let it change the way you think, let it cleanse you and make you holy because God wants to use you. You know, last week we talked about the refining process. He wants to refine you like silver so that he can create a vessel of use. So what's next? I encourage you at the least to read this story for yourself in 2 Kings chapter 5. Just 14 verses, 1 through 14. While you're there, you might as well keep reading and see what happens next because Naaman's story doesn't just end where we ended today. And then make repetition your friend. Listen to this story. Use a free audio version of the Bible found online or through an app. And try reading this story in a variety of translations. Perhaps something will jump out at you that never has before. Think about this story. Think about the characters. Consider where you see yourself. You know, ask yourself, what can I learn from this story? And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter and Facebook, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Penny from Nebraska, Aisa from Norway, I hope I said that right, Terry from California, Phyllis from Minnesota, Debbie from somewhere in the U.S., Michael from New Hampshire, Pam from Arkansas, Tumpak from Indonesia, Cheryl from Ontario, Canada, Barbie from California, Diane from somewhere in the U.S., Dina from Oklahoma, Hannah from South Dakota, and Sharon from Maryland. These are all my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. Now The benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. In that email, you will get a weekly Memoryverse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my episodes from time to time. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to Michelleneesat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher Radio if you're on Android. User And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but also helps me stay visible to new listeners and gives me some credibility. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Speaking Honestly, who recently reviewed the podcast and said, I can honestly say if you listen, it will help you grow or simply remind you of things you may have forgotten. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much, Speaking Honestly. I really appreciate it. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Eye of the Storm by Ryan Stevenson featuring Gabriel. This was a request from listener Eric, and I love to get requests from my listeners. Pretty much the only filter I use is the song needs to be currently playing on the radio. So feel free to reach out with your favorite, and I'll try to use it in the podcast. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michelleknizat.com forward slash 127. And then while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.